Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And mine is Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So before we go into our you know, introduction, before we even talk about today's topic, I just want to throw a huge uh, thank you out to um, especially our Twitter followers. Um, so uh, I happened to accidentally get like a second copy of a book for free somehow. And I was like, oh, let's just let's just run a giveaway. And so I, you know, I, I created a little rules, posted to Twitter and I'm at work and I, you know, like two hours or something goes by and I check in on it and it has like a hundred likes, a hundred retweets, a hundred comments. And then later that day we have like 50 more followers, a hundred more followers. At this point, I think we've gained about 200 new followers, just about maybe 175 over on Twitter. Um, that post was blowing up as far as like, as far as like for us, like this is huge. This is the biggest post we've ever had. If you recall, we ran a giveaway back in like January or something. And I think it got like 20 retweets, um, you know, like five shares on Instagram. This thing's been retweeted like 300 times, uh, commented on like 300 times. So, um, especially if you are new, if you discovered us recently from that giveaway, if one of your friends tagged you and you're looking in to see what we're all about, we just want to say hello. We want to say thank you. Uh, we appreciate you tuning into our little podcast here. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm Jens. This is Lucas. We we do this podcast, and we actually have some plans coming up here to sort of do a, a reintroduction episode because I think a lot has changed since our first where we did a doxology yeah. intro. Um, we've we've changed our formula a little bit. Back then we were doing one episode a week. Now we do two. So we thought it'd be good to like catch everybody up, and especially if you're new, um, to get the most up to date information regarding what we're all about. So look forward to that in a few weeks. But today we have an extraordinary topic. We have a um, <laughs> paranormal topic. I don't know. We're we're talking about all the things out in the world, out into the universe that. Um, there's often quite a bit of speculation about. Um, if you're a rationalist, you're going to try to explain it all the way rationally. Um, if you're somebody who's a little bit more open to there being other explanations to how something could be, um, maybe you believe in, in aliens and ghosts and UFOs and all these things. But um, for, for our purposes, as a theological podcast um, that you know we say in the intro that we're dedicated, we're, we, we, we're here to journey together, to walk down the Emmaus road, so to speak, that is the Christian faith. So what does it look like to think about extraterrestrial life? What does it look like to think about spiritual beings that we cannot see, uh, whether that be angels or demons or, or something else? Um, so as we discuss, as we investigate, as we um, roll through this episode, we hope that you learn something, that maybe you walk away with at least a different theological perspective, maybe a, a different way of thinking about these things. Um, so is there anything that you wanted to say at the outset, Lucas, anything that's, you know, just bursting at the seams that you want to get off your chest? I don't know about, I don't know about bursting at the seams, but I was sort of inspired to suggest this topic from a couple of sources. One was a recent episode of the Ad Fontes podcast, which if you aren't listening, you should check out. It's a fantastic podcast. And it was a really interesting episode about aliens and extraterrestrials and UFOs and kind of evaluating different possible explanations through the lens of um, 
Christian theology and Christian belief and faith. And so that was a super fascinating t- uh, podcast to listen to. And then within a, it was just kind of on my mind. And within a week, I found myself um, wiped out after work one day and I was just watching TV and I was watching some ridiculous like countdown of like paranormal encounters caught on camera. And it was pretty fun. But then I started to like think about um, what is it? mean to see these kinds of encounters of of ufos or you know a doll that's possessed by a ghost or um you know sasquatch or the loch ness monster whatever kind of different you know quote-unquote paranormal or or extraordinary you know abnormal uh supernatural maybe whatever kind of category we want to put all these under Uh, and maybe we don't want to put them in the same category but but that's kind of what i'm doing you know it's kind of my presupposition is is all of these things would fall under a very similar category i think of these unexplainable things that that people see and experience um and tell other people about and sometimes they seem to be caught on camera sometimes they you know seem to be pretty undeniable that something's going on um what is going on And, and specifically the way that you know, the the way that I live my life, all of those kinds of questions, or when I have a question about what something means, it's it's connected to and filtered through what I know to be true by faith, what I know right. to be true about God and Christ and um, their relation to us and our relation to the world and our relation to eternity and all these things that that you know we've 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 talked about before and we'll continue to talk about you know. Basically, you know, to sum that up, theology. What is a theological sort of evaluation of the paranormal or whatever yeah. we want to call it? Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not focusing on like, you know, oh, I had this one really weird experience and I want to tell you about it and then explore it. So much as like all of these experiences that so many different people have had and have seen and have reported um, that many of you may have or... or or I don't I don't know I want to I wanted to ask you at some point Jensen if you've ever like seen or experienced <laughs> oh, anything man. that would got... fall into this category but um, yeah maybe we we can we can maybe get into that uh, in a bit but like yeah so that's kind of just what I wanted to do and sort of where it's coming from um, in terms of like why it's been on my mind it's just sort of like it, it feels like a fun topic but it's it also yeah, like I'm pumped it's just it's just weird you know like it's it's a weird topic to try and for me to try and prepare, like, I was like, okay, I, I know there's all these things I want to talk, talk through, but like, I'm not sure how to organize them. Or, you know, like, I found myself being like, okay, like, where can I go in scripture? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like a lot of times say Jesus appeared as if a ghost on the waters, you know, I mean, I, I didn't even think of that. Exactly. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely a lot to say. And I don't think it's a stretch to try and tie these things into some sort of theological uh, conversation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I definitely don't think that they're disconnected from, you know, the Christian faith, uh, you know, living life as a Christian, like these things are all interconnected, I think. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. We've kind of talked about that on a few different uh, occasions on this podcast, but but yeah, that's kind of like where I want to where I want to start is just kind of like what's the deal with all the and you know I've got some specifics um, specific kind of things that we can maybe talk about as examples, um, but 
what's the deal? You know, I don't, I don't know if, if you have sort of an initial thought that maybe we want to yeah. uh, run through and then kind of build from there. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's actually really interesting. So uh, a systematic theology book that we used to reference all the time, we still bring it up every, every now and again. Um, but Robert Letham, in his systematic theology, his single volume Sistheo that he published with Crossway, um, in what chapter 9.5, he has a section called extraterrestrial intelligent life. Um, he, so there's a, a little, you know, page and a half or whatever, where he talks about, you know, do these things exist? Um, so I find that fascinating that in a systematic theology textbook, this conversation comes up. So it's not weird for you and I, Lucas, we're not academics. We're just two guys. Um, it's not weird to, to talk about these things, but um, at the outset, we should probably start at, be at the beginning of, of creation. Um, so like you mentioned that you sort of, your, your lens through how you are looking at these things is through what you know to be true, what has been revealed in, in God's word. Um, and we know that at the center of creation, um, you know, God creates the heavens, the earth, everything in them. So we understand that God created the cosmos. That's what it means that the heavens were created. It's not just the abode of God. God has always existed. Um, but we're talking about the, the expanse above the earth and all that that contains. All you have to do is look up, you know, photograph of the, um, that like the Hubble telescopes will, will take. And you'll just see these crazy supernovas and galaxies and constellations. And, oh man, it's, it's unending. It's, it's breathtaking. It's, it's, it's staggering, really. Um, and so God created this expansive universe. We do not know its limits. It, it probably has none. Um, but at the center of all that, not to blow up your ego or anything, but at the center of all of that creation, all of that grandeur, all that majesty is God's crowning achievement in creation as, as man. That we, we see very early that, that man was created um, to be in intimate union with God, to have fellowship with him, to worship, um, to obey, to love him. And throughout all of the rest of time as we know it, it has been about humanity, uh, the relation to God, um, whether that was um, fractured or uh, brought back together in Christ. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's worth noting that let's just say that we're, you know, we're talking about extraterrestrial life, whether intelligent or not. Like, it seems logical that in such a large universe, that there could be some sort of life. Does that mean that there are other humans? Does that mean that there are like green gremlins and aliens or whatever walking around on Mars or some other planet? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think the point is, as, as we've said, is, as God has revealed himself in his word, he's, he's revealed that there are humans, that there's a, a humanity that exists on this world, um, that Jesus himself entered into that humanity, putting on the same flesh that we dwell in, and that at the end of time, We'll be with him forever. So outside of that, I mean, there are animals on this on this earth that do not share the same union with their creator that we do. You know, bears, jaguars, piranhas. Like these are these are life forms. You know, we, we don't think of them as extraterrestrial because they're terrestrial. They're here. They're you know they're on uh, this planet. Uh, but those creatures those specific, like if you have like if a piranha in your backyard i don't know why you would if you do be careful but you know you got this fish in your backyard in your koi pond maybe like okay so you have a koi pond you have koi fish 
um, that individual fish, in, in, in my estimation, isn't going to be in glory forever. Just like think about how many fish have existed. There's no way that they could all live in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but will there be animals in the new heavens and in the new earth? I think so. I mean, it, it seems logical to think that at the beginning there were creatures. God is making all things new, not just humanity new. So why wouldn't there be creatures as well? Um, so in a similar sense, like life forms exist outside of humanity here. It's not a stretch to think that there are life forms outside of this planet. Um, but at the same time, what we know from scripture is that God has a, has chosen to have an intimate union with humanity. Um, and that's designated to, to this globe, this, this little green and blue ball floating out in space. And so uh, maybe, maybe we'll kind of go in the direction that you want to go now and we'll kind of circle back to this point that I'm, I'm trying to mention here. But um, really what I'm trying to say is that humans exist, life forms exist, um, and at the center of this grand cosmos, uh, this grand creation sits the, the crown jewel, so to speak, of, of God's creation as humanity. And um, again, the, all of history has been a, a, a story of, of God's relation to that humanity. And so um, that's going to continue. That's not going anywhere. Even if we were discovered that there were little green aliens walking around Neptune, you know, it, it doesn't change what God has done here. And it doesn't change what is going to happen either. Yeah, that's good. And it's it's also interesting to think like, what is the connection or, or is there a connection? I'm positing there is a connection between something like, you know, uh, single cell organisms on Mars or, or, or bigger organisms that we can think of that would maybe be, you know, equivalent to an insect or a fish or, uh, you know, uh, some kind of land mammal here on earth, but just that live in, in space on a different planet. Um, but also, things that aren't necessarily physical, you know, like ghosts, people, people, plenty of people, I know probably more than, than UFOs or, or, you know, weird supernatural animals like Sasquatch or whatever. Like I know people believe in seeing ghosts and believe that ghosts are real, whether that's, you know, former people who have died, passed away and who's, spirit or soul or, or, or I don't know like stick around for some reason or they're able to communicate with with people who are still living um that's a that's not an uncommon belief you know um and that belief is is rooted in something and clearly there's enough you know if you were to just google or, or go to youtube and look for you know haunted you know like poltergeists or not the movies but like exorcisms and poltergeists and and real videos of that you'll find plenty of of videos that seem to be you know containing unexplainable spiritual phenomena right and maybe some number of those videos are faked maybe some number of those videos are hoaxes um but i guess the question i have is when we look at videos of you know a doll moving on its own, or we look at a video of a bunch of UFOs flying around over New Mexico or whatever. Um, or we look at, you know, reports that the Pentagon and the government ha are releasing. I know this has been in the news, I think in the last like year or two um, of, 
you know, actual, real, secret U.S. government UFO programs, like, um, and and reports that people, you know, one of my favorite shows to watch is Ancient Aliens. It's just so fun to, like, just wild, you know, if you've never watched it, just you should. It's just, like, some of the most wild people suggesting the most wild explanations for, you know, the pyramids or Stonehenge or, you know, things like that. Um, but what do we, you know, what do we do with that? Like, what's the connection between the physical world and the the spiritual world or the non-physical world? What's the connection between these things that people are saying they see or experience and the fact that there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence for it and yet it's common for people to experience them, right? Like um, Sasquatch or the Loch, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, like... You'd think, like, I know Loch Ness is a very deep lake, but you'd think people for decades trying to find a creature that lived in one lake would probably find that creature by now, right? At least I, I would think that. Maybe. You know? <laughs> um, maybe. And maybe not, you know. It's not like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, saying there's a sea creature in this lake is different than saying, oh, there's a sea creature at the bottom of the ocean, you know, like, just in terms of scale of where you're looking. And... And with Sasquatch, you know, like how many people, I mean, there, I think there are like multiple different TV shows that are just about looking for Sasquatch. Like a lot of people not only believe there is big, a Bigfoot out there, but like that they've seen it or encountered it and they're trying, you know, trying to, but, and yet there's no evidence. Like think about how many creatures we've discovered and continue to discover, discover that live, you know all around earth like it just on the one hand it's like it seems like we'd see something by now if there was a big you know bipedal ape-like creature wandering around the united states however you can also look at it on the flip side and be like well you know yetis and sasquatch like things that are that are similar to that are like a very common thing in across cultures and and geography across the world like you know um that it also is kind of striking and like, well, like why would a bunch of different people in different circumstances, you know, come up with the same thing, the same story or mythology. Um, if, if there, if it wasn't somehow based in something real, you, you know what I mean? And, um, th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, to evaluate that. And then of course there's the, there's the, the, the question, like I was, I, I think I was, I might have sidetracked myself a little bit, but like, are there maybe non-physical explanations for all of these things? You know, like a ghost, it's kind of easy to be like, oh, you know, whatever sort of ghostly encounters, you know, I hear about, it makes sense. I can kind of explain that away as some kind of spiritual being because it is a spiritual being, right? Like a ghost is by definition a non-material kind of creature or remains of a creature that someone's saying is haunting them or attacking them or following them around or whatever it might be, right? But then maybe along those same lines, do we want to say that aliens and extraterrestrial type encounters and UFOs might also have some kind of a more spiritual as opposed to... um, 
scientific explanation. I don't know if that's a good word for it. Uh, I don't know. I think that's that's interesting. You know, I, I've I've seen that kind of floated around a few times online from different people, and like it's definitely it it's a different way to think about it. I think than I'm used to, but I think it's kind of compelling too if you think about it. Um, and one of the reasons I think it's compelling is uh the vision that ezekiel has in the first chapter of ezekiel which is just like off the wall weird um like when i read it i can't even have a mental image of what he's seeing the description is so weird and makes so little sense even by (laughs) prophetic (laughs) apocalyptic vision standards you know what i mean um i I don't necessarily want to read the whole thing but but I'll, I'll read a little bit here from Ezekiel 1. Um, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished, burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Um, Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side, each had the face of a lion, and on the left side, the face of an ox, and each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright, and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the four living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. <laughs> and it's like I, this is a very famous passage. You know, I I know for a fact, like on that show Ancient Aliens, they've they've pointed to this as you know one of the examples of these ancient people describing. <laughs> ufos and and aliens and stuff and i mean i can see that you know why why you'd have that thought like um regardless of what the explanation is or what we what we choose to believe the explanation is for like specifically what is happening that ezekiel is seeing it's bizarre you know it's unexplainable by any uh, typical, normal, natural sort of things that goes on in our world that at least that we're aware of, right? But you know, like, but in our world today, people will try to explain this. They'll see this and they'll be like, "Well, there has to be some sort of explanation." Like he, you know, right. it's either a, a you know a crazy vision that God allowed him to see, or he was using words that he had to describe something that he was seeing that was, you know, just more extravagant or it's meant to be poetic. Like we have all these rationalistic ways of, of explaining away what Ezekiel saw. Right. And clearly whatever he saw, he's only able to attempt to describe them based on what he knows, just like us. You know, if we see something we're unfamiliar with, it's, it's hard to describe something that we don't already have sort of a mental category for. Right. Um, 
but it certainly indicates some kind of fantastical, miraculous, visionary experience, which shouldn't come as a surprise to someone who believes, you know, in scripture and what scripture says as God's word, you know, that a prophet is experiencing some kind of supernatural uh, vision, right? Like that happens frequently. But the point being, it's weird. It's an unexplainable experience that you can, you know, you shouldn't press this further than it can go, but you can definitely see parallels with some descriptions of weird, unexplainable, ghostly, or um, UFO-type encounters that people have and describe today, right? Um, and I, I think it's really it's really interesting, too, the, the one Bible passage that came to my mind, like, right away as being, like, if we're going to talk about paranormal stuff, this is the passage I want to go to, um, which that's just me. I'm not saying this is the only passage uh, that's relevant. I'm just saying this is the one that stuck out to me, is another odd little passage in, I believe it's Second Samuel. I think it's First or Second Samuel. I can't remember which one. Um, when Saul goes to visit uh, the witch of Endor, or the medium of Endor, I think some uh, some translations put put it as medium instead of witch. Um, so I'll just kind of summarize this one instead of reading through it. But Saul is he he's going up against the Philistines. He's he thinks that Israel is going to lose. So in order to try and get, I don't know, God on his side or get some kind of assurance that God is going to be on his side, he decides to go to a, a medium, someone who can speak to the dead, um, and ask her to contact Samuel, who at this point in, in, in the narrative has, has already died. Um, and she does, and Samuel shows up. And he asks Saul, I love this, this line, I think this is NIV I have, I can't remember which one I copied, um, but Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul kind of explains, and then basically Samuel's like, listen, you know, you've, you've sinned and rejected Yahweh, and, and God is not on your side, you're going to lose kind of thing. He's taken the kingdom away from you. And that's kind of the, the story moves on from there because the focus is more on Saul and David and the kingdom and all that kind of stuff. But like nowhere do we have any sort of statement by any of the characters in the story or the narrator that like, you know, what's being described here didn't really happen or is a way of speaking or Saul imagined it or the medium imagined it or it was a demon taking on Samuel's form. Um, to, you know, because Saul was expecting to talk to Samuel, so, you know, the devil took on Samuel's form, but really, you, you know, like, it seems to be presented as if a medium legitimately contacted Samuel's dead, or, or you know, Samuel, who was dead, in the the next life, <laughs> you know, um, Sheol or, or wherever, and not only contacted him, but brought his spirit up who then spoke to Saul and was able to have a conversation with Saul who could see and understand him. And Samuel communicated the word of the Lord and, and the judgment of the Lord to Saul. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, it's real when you, when, at least when I like think about it in like those very simple terms of like, 
this is what it's is happening and nowhere do we get any indication that we're not supposed to take this as just historical facts um again it it opens these doors i think um similar to sort of like reevaluating how we conceive of people who talk about ufo stories or how we conceive of light you know extraterrestrial life um you can make these like changes in your perspective and look at things from a different angle and these doors open where it's like this stuff is real you know whatever this medium is doing which in context it's indicated this is this is a this is not an okay thing to do you know in i think it's deuteronomy and the law you know divination and and speaking to spirits is is outlawed you know like this is it's not it's not an unheard of thing it's a thing that people were doing and it's a thing that god has specifically you know, marked out as not good to do, but it's, it's, it's a real thing that people are doing, right? It's not just, I don't know, like mass hysteria or, uh, you know, the medium and Saul took some drugs and they imagined this or Saul had a bad dream or, you know what I mean? Um, there, there doesn't seem to be, or what I, what I will say is there doesn't seem to be a reason that, that, makes one of those explanations the most likely if that makes sense sure that could happen of course all the time you know there are hoaxes there are people who are mistaken there are people who are suffering from some kind of condition that makes them see or hear things you know like all of those things are true and can explain plenty of so-called paranormal experiences that we might hear about or, or see or even experience ourselves um but the question i want to raise and kind of get your thoughts at this point is like, do those sorts of explanations that, that we could maybe call, you know, like you're saying more rationalistic explanations, do, does it really make sense for us to say that those account for all of the weird, unexplained paranormal things that go on in the world? Certainly. Like I'm not denying that stuff like that happens, but like, is that really, does it really make more sense <laughs> to say every one of these people is crazy or lying <laughs> instead of saying something's going on here? I mean, when you think about it, it would have to be completely disingenuous to say that every single instance can just be explained away by, oh, that person was too intoxicated or, you know, they have schizophrenia or some other mental condition or... Um, they were seeing things or it was light refracting differently because of, uh, you know, whatever. Like we, as Christians especially, it just seems like illogical. Like I, I've, I've actually heard people say this, that there must be an explanation for this. To, to say those words, there, to, that there must be an explanation for something that you don't understand. Um, because at the end of the day... There are a lot of things that we as limited, finite human beings are never going to understand. So there is not always going to be an explanation to every paranormal, supernatural, UFO, whatever. Like all these things we're talking about. There, I don't think there, I think it would just, like I said, it's disingenuous. I think it's just untrue that there must be a, a rational explanation to everything that we can't explain um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Witch of Endor, um, that's such an interesting passage. Like, I remember reading that at Moody, I remember, like, having youth group students ask me about it, like, you know, why, why can they see Samuel's ghost? What does that mean? Are ghosts real? 
Um, and then like Matthew 14, 26, I mentioned a, a little bit ago, it says when the disciples saw him, Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost they proclaimed and they cried out in fear. So like they, they're, you know, rowing on the seas that, you know, the, the seas are, are pretty crazy. They look out and see a man walking towards them and their first instinct after feeling terror is it's a ghost. Like what? Why would that have been the first thing that they proclaim out of their mouth? Not like, how in the world is there a man walking on the water? Oh, that's Jesus. But it's no, it's that's a ghost. Um, so in some sense, there was this um, at least baseline assumption that when you're out at sea, if you see someone walking on the sea, that's supernatural, meaning it is above and beyond the natural order for how you understand things. Somebody is walking on water. And it is paranormal, also, you know, not normal. Um, so to, to them, their, their, their minds, what they thought was, okay, this must be a ghost. But again, to them, what was a ghost? Was it a disembodied spirit? Um, was it demonic? Was it angelic? That's where we're left to have a little bit of wonder, I think. And I think for Christians especially, it's okay to have some wonder. It's okay to have some uncertainty and to not know everything because... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when I talked about creation, so humanity being the the, the crown jewel, the, the the pinnacle of creation, um, the the piece of creation with which we have you know intimacy with God, it, it's fair to say that outside of humanity, that there are other moral beings. That's literally what angels and demons are; they're moral beings. But the difference is. They don't have redemption in the same way that humanity has been redeemed. The demonic angels that have fallen, so what we call demons, do not have the chance to be reconciled back to God. This creature, this part of creation that was once in some sense serving Yahweh, worshiping him, fell from that place and has no chance of being redeemed. So there are these moral, culpable beings in the universe that we can't see, at least not all the time. Um, we, we can't explain, uh, we, we, we don't understand because we don't see them physically and rationally. Um, maybe they exist on other planets, maybe they don't. I mean, that's kind of like if you ever read um, like Out of the Silent Planet and, and some of the other um, space trilogy books, like that's sort of how that universe is imagined in C.S. Lewis's mind is that these, that these beings, these angelic creatures inhabit the planets within our solar system. Um, but I mean, the, these creatures, whatever they are, these angels that are described that are, you know, whatever, um, whatever Ezekiel sees, you know, when, when, when Daniel, when um, John in Revelation, when they see these creatures, uh, they have ways to describe them, um, but they're very powerful. Uh, they're fast moving. Sometimes they do appear as humans um, and often great terror results. Um, I mean, these are these, in a sense, compared to humans, those things are paranormal. They're they are supernatural, um, because it's outside of the bounds of what we know and would typically understand to be normal and to be natural, as it means to be human. Um, so, it, it, as a Christian, you should have no problem saying that paranormal and supernatural things exist, because that's literally what an angel is. The fact that an angelic being can put on an image, at least in some sense, of representing humanity. Um, <laughs> that's super weird. How do you explain that? 
First of all, you can't. Um, but you at least have to acknowledge that that happens in scripture, that angels appear as men. So I don't, I don't, I can't remember exactly the question that you asked, but like, that's sort of what we have to do. Like that we, we can't just explain it away. You can't just say, no, these things aren't real. No, it's a figment of your imagination. No, you are, you know, out of your mind, whatever. Uh, that's just, that's just not a fair assessment. That's not, it's not kind. It's not loving. And it's just not truthful in, in, in my estimation. Yeah. And I think one more like category of these kinds of encounters and phenomena that I wanted to bring up that I think is a really interesting way to maybe tie these things back to more directly to the Christian experience specifically. This won't necessarily be the case for uh, those of you listening who are Protestants, but those who come from other traditions might um, you know, resonate with this in a different way. But there's a long tradition, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, um, of seeing apparitions of the Virgin Mary, right? Like possibly we've all heard of, you know, even if we don't know much about it, like Our Lady of Guadalupe or Our Lady of Fatima or, you know, these Our Lady of Walsingham in England. Um, there are plenty of these cases that have been, you know, vetted and approved by the Vatican or, you know, church authorities and labeled as legitimate appearances of the Virgin Mary. And she'll come and she'll perform miracles or tell people things or, or you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not trying to evaluate any, any apparitions in particular or, or even in general. But one thing that is interesting is um, these are, these are very much similar in the sense of these are, events and experiences that many people see and, and experiences that they share that don't really have like a, a normal quote unquote natural explanation, right? Um, one of my, like the stories that I think is most interesting because it's so recent um, is actually a Coptic uh, uh, apparition of Mary, but it's, it's Our Lady of Zaytun or Zaytun. I'm not sure how to say that. Um, I'll just read this quote. This comes from the Wikipedia entry for this this story. Um, the first apparition of the Virgin Mary at Zaytun was recorded on the evening of April 2nd, 1968. The phenomenon was seen by two Muslim bus mechanics who witnessed a woman dressed in white on the roof of St. Mary's Coptic Church. One thought she was a nun about to attempt suicide by leaping from the roof and called the police. Intrigued by the mechanics yelling, don't jump, a crowd gathered on the site. The police attempted to disperse them, saying that the sighting was just a reflection of the light from the street lamps. However, a church custodian suggested the figure was the Virgin Mary, which greatly excited the crowd. The event itself ended after a few minutes. One week later, on April 9th, the phenomenon recurred, again lasting for only a few minutes. After that time, apparitions became more frequent, sometimes two or three times a week for several years, ending in 1971. Um, and I don't know the numbers, but presumably thousands, if not more, people over the course of those few years saw this. Um, another one, Our Lady of Fatima, um, apparently um, between 30,000 and 100,000 people uh, saw like on her, uh, you know, so-called miracle of the sun that happened. Another fascinating story, if you want to um, Google that and look into Our Lady of Fatima. Um, like, it, it's interesting to think about the way that we could maybe speak of UFO sightings where like lots of people see the same thing, 
and we, and we maybe see videos shared on social media and everyone's like, whoa, what's that? And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a drone. It's a, it's a secret military plane. It's, you know, reflection of light, you know, like all these different kinds of explanations. And then other people saying, no, it's a UFO, it's aliens, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, something happened, right? You know, like, uh, like something, like you can, if you Google Our Lady of Zytun, you can see like alleged photographs and it's like, okay. I'm looking at this thing. If I grant that this is a legitimate photograph of something that was really there in 1968, whatever it is, is it reflection of light? Is it the Persian Mary? Is it something else? Like, I don't know. But like a lot of people all agree they saw this same thing at the same time in the same place, even if they have different ways of, of um, explaining what it means or what it really was. And I think that that's, interesting to tie that into the experience of something that feels less quote-unquote christian or less religious like ufos or um you know haunted houses or (laughs) bigfoot and things like that (laughs) I, i think that if we put it in terms of something like um a marian apparition right um there are lots of overlaps and similarities and i think it is interesting to think about how maybe these are all really different versions or different manifestations of the same kind of thing that's happening. And this is where like, I would kind of want to give my tentative opinion Hmm. is I I think that we can to come to, you know, conclusion is maybe a strong word, but maybe a hypothesis, I guess (laughs) that, these different kinds of things are, I think we can trace them back to spiritual phenomena, you know. Maybe it's too simple to say it's an angel or it's a demon, you know. Like, maybe that's that kind of binary doesn't work. Maybe there's, maybe the spiritual realm is more complicated than that. I mean, just without too much explanation, the Bible presents various different kinds of angels to us. Mm. And presumably there's a reason that there are different kinds of angels, you know, like a seraphim or a cherubim, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever these creatures were that Ezekiel saw or that John sees in Revelation, you know, like they're different supernatural spiritual beings. Um, Maybe there's more than just angel and demon, you know, like maybe what people call Sasquatch is some kind of spiritual thing they're seeing that isn't necessarily good or evil. Maybe it just is a thing. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I don't really know. Um, (laughs) But I feel like that's where I want to land. You know, are people seeing the Virgin Mary? Are they seeing aliens from, you know, the far reaches of (laughs) another galaxy? Um, Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Are there, you know, the dead ghosts of people who have you know died in a house you know still roaming the halls of that house i I don't know (laughs) like on the one hand i i kind of feel like i have to just say i don't know but on the other hand i do feel like these are probably i I think i want to say that they're linked in some way even though something like an alien and a haunted house and our lady of guadalupe all sound like something that is so far different from each other i i can't help but think maybe there's more of a connection than our modern minds might be able to dwell or or to draw because maybe we think of aliens and extraterrestrials as 
um, you know, physical things, but we think of ghosts as non-physical things, and we don't think of either of those as religious, you know, so maybe they feel more disconnected than they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of where I would want to wrap up my thoughts. I mean, I, I, I feel like I could talk about this all day, but I don't necessarily um, have more thoughts, you know what I mean? So that's yeah, kind of where I mean, all landed. We, I mean, we could go on and on. We could talk about all the different types of things. We could explore deeper and wider. But I think that's a good place to land this UFO, this this flying object that we've created today. And um, yeah, I think uh, you hit it right on the head is the, the fact stands that um, that uh, like real things exist. Angels, demons, these things exist. Like you're saying, um, the spiritual realm is very much real. It's a reality. Um, what we think about that is is going to differ, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed this conversation. It's a really interesting conversation. It's one that I think needs to be had more frequently to to discuss these things, you know, theologically, biblically, um, to not just always try to explain them away rationally. But um, as we close, did, you said something about wanting to hear if we've ever had encounters with um, these sorts of things. I mean, ha so we'll first let you go. Have you ever had any paranormal or supernatural experiences that you cannot explain in rational ways? Honestly, no. Okay. <laughs> not at least not that I can like re remember uh, think of. Uh, I've I've never I've never seen a UFO or, or anything like that. I've never really had any sort of spiritual like like a demonic kind of encounter. Like I think of like you know like The Conjuring or The Exorcist or something mm -hmm. you know something like that. Like. Nothing like that that I can think of. I, I I have heard from my mom, who is a very reasonable, honest, trustworthy Christian person, um, many stories of some pretty, what sounds pretty intense, she would say demonic encounters that she hmm. has had um, in her life. Uh, so I, I, I have her, like, definitely heard you know like credible stories from someone close to me hmm. but that's I, th I think that's the closest I've really come to, to having any sort of experience with anything that would would you know would make it in this list that we're kind of talking about gotcha um, at least that I can think of and I feel like it, it would be hard to forget something like that <laughs> but but I mean I don't know yeah <laughs> so, what about you yeah I mean so the one that immediately jumps to the front of my mind when I was I don't even know, three, four, five. I was a really young boy living in the town I live in now, my, my official hometown of Stoughton, Wisconsin. Um, and in the middle of the night, I remember waking up in my race car bed and I looked at my closet and was scared of something and sprinted down the hall to my parents' room. And I ran into my parents' room and I told them there's a man in my closet, there's a man in my closet. Um, and I, and apparently I also said there's an, I think it's an angel that's in my closet. Um, and so my parents, you know, kind of freaked out that their kid is saying there might be a man in their closet. You know, they, they searched the entire house, look in all the closets. There doesn't appear to be any signs of forced entry. Um, but like, I distinctly remember, and, and maybe it's foggy because I've like built it up in my mind over the years, but I feel like I have a memory of waking up, seeing something like bright and white in my closet and then running down the hall to my parents' room. Like, I just have this, like, vague r memory of this happening. And for the for the rest of, like, as, as long as I can remember, I had a fear of sleeping with doors open. So if I was going to be going to bed, closets were closed. 
um, you know, door to the room had to be closed. I didn't want anything like, you know, peeking through the, the you know, the threshold of the room. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know what that was. I never, I never knew at that age what to make of it. I, you know, some people said, oh, it was probably just a dream. You just dreamt that you saw something. You're a kid. You have an overactive imagination. But I specifically, I mean, I, like I said, I specifically have the memory of being cognitive, being awake. But um, my parents told the pastor that we had at the time, and the pastor's wife said, like, sometimes kids are just, like, more in tune and sensitive to those things. Like, they can see things that other people don't see, which, I, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe kids don't just have an overactive imagination, but they're just more perceptive to um, things outside of rationality because kids typically aren't rational beings quite yet. You know, they're they're on the road <laughs> to being more rational. But, um, you know, I think we... That's that's interesting. One of the one of the other things, and this is this is the really the only other thing that comes to mind, um, was actually right before going to Moody. Um, so this was 2015. My parents had just moved into a new house, and this was a two bedroom house. Um, and so my parents had a bedroom. My brother had a bedroom because he was going to continue living at home. Um, and so for that summer, I lived in our basement. It technically wasn't a bedroom. Um, you know, don't tell the the law. I don't know who you'd tell, but technically it wasn't a legal bedroom. Uh, but there was nowhere else for me to sleep for like a month and a half. And I remember like, I don't, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm like 20 years old or whatever. I don't get afraid of things like in the same way that I would have when I was four or five, like, but I just remember I was always terrified sleeping in this basement and it wasn't a creepy basement. I've slept in creepy basements and haven't been afraid. I lived in a house that had a somewhat, <laughs> you know, what people would call a creepy, you know, dark, dingy basement and, and wouldn't be afraid. This was a finished basement. It had a bathroom. Like I had my own like ensuite area. Like it was a nice, ba- like a nice space. But like I would go to bed at night and just like kind of get like shivers almost. And I kid you not, there was one night where I was laying in bed. I was like about to fall asleep. And I swear to you, I heard somebody say Jens. Like I swear to you. And so I sit up and I'm like, yes. What? I thought it was my brother. I'm like, what? And then so like I text him. I'm like, hey man, are you like playing jokes on me? And he's like, I'm not even home. So I go upstairs, his car's gone. I don't, you know, I don't see him anywhere. But like I swear to you, and my parents were long asleep. This is like midnight. But like I swear I heard somebody say Jens. Um, and related to this, there was one night I was asleep. I don't even remember having a bad dream. Uh, but my dad was upstairs getting ready in his bathroom. And he says he heard me screaming in the basement. Like he heard me yelling at the top of my lungs, no, stop, no, stop. And so he thought like somebody was attacking me. So he ran down the stairs, turns on the lights and that wakes me up. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you were just screaming at the top of your lungs. What are you doing? I have no explanation for that. (laughs) Maybe it was just a dream. Who knows about that? But then the last thing related to this house, related to this basement, um, we had had some family over. I'm pretty sure it was right around the time of my wedding. So this would have been like 2016 or so. Um, but we had a bunch of people over, um, somebody was in the upstairs bathroom. So my mom went down to my bathroom in the basement and she obviously is sitting in the bathroom with the door closed. And she said that she heard footsteps come down the stairs. And then she heard like, like someone trying to open the door and she's like, I'm in here, I'm in here. And like, nobody responded. And so she thought that like, whoever it was like had like gotten the clue but she never heard footsteps go back upstairs. And when she went upstairs, she was like, hey, I was in the bathroom. You guys knew I was in there. Why did you come down? And they're like, no one came downstairs. But like, they also didn't hear, they also didn't hear footsteps. Like they were all upstairs and these were like hardwood f- floors. This was like, you would hear like, 
you know, coming down the stairs. Um, and, and the bathroom sort of sat right underneath it. So my mom says she heard the footsteps and then the doorknob jiggling. But nobody, I mean, unless someone was just playing a prank. But, like, nobody went down there. And so, like, that's just, like, one of those weird things. Like, how do you explain it? I don't know. So that's, that's like, my experience and then tangential experience to supernatural things. Yeah. Well, that is super super uh spooky i guess you know maybe this should have been a maybe we should have saved this for halloween (laughs) um but yeah i mean i think that's where we'll where where we'll end it uh to to close us out we're just gonna pray part of psalm 139 it's a great sort of classic psalm about um you know god's full reach over creation and, and and his full um, presence and control over all things, which would extend to all of the weird things we can't explain either. Um, so, uh, you know, it might be a bit of a stretch, but it's maybe somehow related to our topic for today. And even if it's not, it's a great psalm, so let's pray it together. Oh Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You examine my path and my places of rest and are acquainted with all my ways. Indeed, there is not a word on my tongue, but you, O Lord, know it altogether. You have enclosed me behind and before and have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, so excellent I cannot attain to it. Where shall I go then from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I climb up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, then shall my night be turned to day. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as clear as the day. The darkness and the light to you are both alike. For you yourself made my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and fashioned in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my substance while I was yet unformed, and in your book were all my members written, which day by day were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How dear to me are your thoughts, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake up, I am present with you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Lucas. This was a, a fun conversation, one that I think, um, you know, I, I think it was interesting, at least. We hope that you thought so, too. Um, and again, thank you, especially to all of our new listeners, our new subscribers, uh, those those of you who are new to our social media. We just want to say thank you for, for checking us out. Um, if you want to continue to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can always shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love feedback. We love questions. We love episode ideas. Um, and really, we just want to hear from you. Uh, keep an eye out, though. We kind of have some plans to, to do some more giveaways, to drum up some more um, excitement around you know social media and the podcast. So, so be on the lookout. Um, this coming Friday, so you know this episode drops on Tuesday. In a couple of days, we're going to announce the winner of the giveaway. So if you want to enter that giveaway, either go to Instagram, go to Facebook, or not Facebook, <laughs> go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and follow the instructions on that given post. On, on Twitter, it's pinned at the top of our profile. And um, uh, on Instagram, it says giveaway. So go check it out, and we'd love to hear from you. 
Peace. See ya.